breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Tommy Giles and Keith Bryant joining us from the Shreveport Volunteer Network on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, guys, good morning. Thanks for taking time to talk with us this morning. We know you're busy today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you guys have been nonstop since this happened. Um, I guess the first question is: Have you ever seen anything like this in our area? No, 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 not even Hurricane Laura, which came through as a Category 1 storm um, up to the Gulf. We, we've never seen anything as widespread like this. We've had calls from all the way from Webster Parish down to Natchitoches, over to Toledo Bend, all the way up to Texarkana. So I would call that the Arklatech, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you even how do you even start? It's like an elephant one bite at a time, I guess, huh? One bite at a time. Yeah, one bite at a time, and, and this storm is going to take everybody coming together, you know, as one. Uh, we cannot help everybody. We're going to try to help as many people as we can. But uh, the reason, Tom, one of the reasons Tommy and I started the Shreveport Volunteer Network was to excite others to love your neighbor as yourself and, and, and help your neighbors. And, and we saw it last night, uh, again, the network um working strong with volunteers coming out to help them. We helped an elderly lady last night that didn't have any power. The tree had power. She didn't have power uh, because the tree was way of secondary power. You would have never seen it if it wasn't for her neighbors calling because it was packed away in the backyard really, really tight. Mm. Can you can you pinpoint a hard-hit area? Is it hard to do? Uh, yeah, no. Um, yeah, well, we, we went to uh, Friday morning. We were at, at 12 a.m. in the morning till 8 a.m. in the morning. We were uh, on, off of uh, in Keithville at 169 to Keychow Marshall Road, and, and I don't know how many trees we cut up for five or six straight hours with uh, Caddo Parish District 4, and um, that that was a lot of trees. That was that they I think they estimated about a 110 mile an hour uh, wind through there. Wow. Guys, you run heavy equipment. You've got chainsaws. You've got you, you need water. Tell us some of the needs that you have. That how people can help you help others. Um, right now, it's uh, we definitely use more water. Um, we've been handing out water every, everywhere we go. Um, we're we're just trying to stay hydrated ourselves. <laughs> uh, you know, we wanted to thank um, Southern Hydrate. Um, the owner there is Elizabeth Moore, and they, they came out on a location, and they gave us IVs with all the different electrolytes so that we could get hydrated again and keep working. Where can folks drop off things? Uh, if they have, you know, fuel for your your tools or if they have anything, anything. Chainsaw that, oil. Yeah, you need anything. any of that, yeah. Yeah, it can, all be, it can all be dropped off at our warehouse here at the Summer Grove Baptist Church off of Juwella. And we're in the old Dillard's building on the west side of the building. That's the and, old South uh, Park Mall location. Mm-hmm. South Park Mall. And uh, and any of them can contact um, Heather Bryant. And uh, her number is 
to get that. What is, what's her number? Her number is 318-230-5422, and she'll be handling all of our donations, uh, intake, and things like that, and then get them directly to us, or we'll be able to get them directly to uh, people in the community. Congratulations on your wedding, by the way. I, I hadn't said anything to Keith. <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. Um, this is going to take how long? I mean, you're still in this for a couple more weeks, right? Hundred uh, percent. Yes. Uh, you know, there's there's going to the landscape and people's some people's lives have changed uh, drastically for a really long time. You know, we think about it. If you just look at the storm aspect of it. Um, we see that uh, a lot of devastation, but what we don't see is how people are, are going to be hungry for a long time, too, because the storm hit on the 17th. A lot of people had uh, on a fixed income just got their food on the 15th. And so, uh, you know, when it's spoiled, you know, there, there's so much more devastation than just the, the trees, you know. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and OK, let me let me ask you this. How are you prioritizing? Who you're helping? Because if you've got a family of, with that's got able-bodied men or teenage boys, um, that's not as important to you as if there is an elderly woman who's living alone, right? That's right. Uh, we're we're prioritizing things first and foremost. Uh, we wanted to help the, um, you know, help clear up the streets, and so emergency operations could could uh, could go down. We want to thank uh, Robert Jump and the Freeport Caddo uh, Homeland security and and all of the first responders and everybody that's really we really do live in a blessed community of first responders that are top notch i mean these guys are are are, they they work really hard and train really hard four times like this just be patient and um know that your people that are are your paid servants are serving you if if somebody has a need um, and they would like to reach out to the Shreveport Volunteer Network. We're talking with Tommy Giles and Keith Bryant. Um, how would they reach you guys? Um, really, the best way to do it is going to be uh, three ways they can do it. One, they can go on our website, ShreveportVolunteerNetwork.com, and request assistance. They can download our app, um, which is the Shreveport Volunteer Network, and the first button on there it says Request Assistance, or they can call directly. Three one eight four six nine zero eight nine nine, or shoot us a text. Text always works better because we're usually in loud environments and don't get to hear everybody and things like that. And um, but to go back and to address, you know, how do we pick and choose? Who do we help first? Really, it's, it's just a triage. It's, it's we're going through. Someone calls, and if they got uh, a tree on their house, they're priority number one. Or if they got it on their, you know, something preventing power from their home or driveways, um, if it's just standing limbs and, and trees down in their yard, we'll get to those. Those are just, those are secondary. And so until we get a, a bead on everybody who's been taking care of on house, you know, trees on houses, um, we're going to be helping people just cut up trees in their in their yard and, and things like that. I saw y'all Not post a- on Facebook that you were going to a specific house and you needed help. If people are listening and they, they, they're available to help and they can come out and help, um, what should they do? What kind of folks do you need to come out and help? And what do they need to bring? Mm-hmm. Well, we provide everything. And so uh, actually last night I didn't even know Keith had posted that address. 
And I said, man, that's 7 o'clock at night. Ain't nobody going to show up to come help. And I think we had about 10 people show up unannounced. Wow. Just pull tree limbs out of this lady's backyard. So who do you need and and, uh, and what do they do to, to get on your list to, to come be a volunteer? Uh, they, same thing. They can go on our website or app and mm-hmm. download it and uh, register to volunteer. But really, we, we just need people willing to come and help. Gotcha. If you're, you know... It, if you're all ages, bring your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great for family, uh, family bonding and, and learning about volunteerism and, and helping others. And um, if you're a uh, a guy with the tools, you come on. If you're a lady with tools, we had a lady show up the other day. She said, you want me to bring out my 20-inch bar or my 16-inch bar? <laughs> <laughs> said, Love uh, it. Oh, y'all going drinking uh, at bars now? No, no, That's no. What... <laughs> I know what he's talking about. I'm joking. About. You know I'm joking. I don't know what she's talking about. Chainsaw me. I know. I know. Guys, I, I can't thank you enough from the bottom of my heart yes. for our com- entire community for what you do. Um, you are definitely blessed with the spirit of the Lord and and uh, in helping. And to all your volunteers, everybody that helps, Shreveport Volunteer Network, download the app, get on the Facebook page. They're needing help every day. Thanks so much, my friends. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Tommy Giles, Keith Bryant, Shreveport Volunteer Network, Mike and McCarthy. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. He'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Michael Corbin is joining us at six forty. We'll get the latest Swepco update. But right now, Ruben, I'm putting you on blast. All right. Okay. Because I love your wifey poo, and your wifey poo posted something hilarious yesterday. <laughs> Not sure if you're familiar with this yet. The poopy part about having a radio producer husband. I'm sure she she said poopy, yeah. Yes, she did. (laughs) Is that he is so hard to get a hold of. If he's running a show, there better not be an emergency because he's not going to find out about it until the show is done. (laughs) That's true. I don't have a lot of time to look at my phone running a live show. Are you just ignoring your wife for some reason? No, I, I just, if I'm running a show, I forget to look at my phone. And this must have happened. Yeah, yeah. This this happened yesterday when I was uh, when I was running the hook it up and track and down show for KWKH. Okay. So I, this isn't the only show I run. I'm, right. I'm he's a, he's yeah. a busy man down I'm, here. I'm I always be producing. But yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the emergency she was talking about. Oh, it was huge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was <laughs> it was uh, me and my step. Or she said me and Torin already got the water bottles don't worry about it and i went ahead and ordered the new tv okay yeah, that was the emergency you she, need to she, acknowledge des- that. She, she desperately needed to know <laughs> well i do i want i want to read one i'm gonna read two of the messages that responded to your wife one from our friend dan oh yeah dan, who said dan Keel, yeah reuben makes standing on a greased bowling ball spinning plates juggling bowling pins and banding bull calves in a hailstorm <laughs> while making phone calls to guests searching for photographs for posts and running three computers and a popcorn machine look easy 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dan. That's <laughs> yeah, true. That, yeah, that popcorn machine was a weird addition to the yeah, studio. Yeah, that's okay, I, though. It smells nice, though. But I did respond to her. I said, you can always text me, and I can thump him on the head for you. <laughs> Great. Now that's going to happen. <laughs> that get, is going to happen. Yeah. Get ready for that. Get ready for the we already got bread. Don't worry about it Don't worry. I'm good with that, yeah. and I'll thump you on the head, and we'll take care of it. Uh, Scott Hughes is coming in to join me for the re- remainder of the show, and we'll have Michael Corbin, the latest Swepco updates. That is coming up in about 10 minutes. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. My friend Scott Hughes is here. Thanks for coming in. Good morning. Morning. Uh Michael Corbin is joining us next. But I want are you uh, fixated on this submarine mess? The whole world is fixated I, on this submarine. It's like mess. the OJ chase or something. It's it's one of those things that grabs our attention and it's it's both intriguing and macabre at the same time. They're under a day of air now left, correct? I, they, I don't, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, but they're not going to make it. They've reached a point now where if you, if you're not familiar with deep diving, and I'm mm-hmm. not a deep diver, but no. I, I've looked into it and studied it, it takes them like 12 hours to come up. They're so far down. That oh you no! Can, you, even if they, even if they find the sub, they just can't hook a cable onto it and pull them up in 10 minutes. It's going to take them six, seven, eight hours to come up 13,000 feet, or you get what they call the bins. We've all seen right, movies where right. they are so far down that if the hull is breached, that entire submarine becomes the size of a tin can. That it's, it's oh. so much pressure per square inch, they'll just crush. So to, to, they have to come up so slowly that they're reaching the point now where even if they find the sub, they still might not be able to rescue them in time because they have to bring it up slowly. Oh, my gosh. I'm, it's a sad situation. Yeah, it really is. We will talk more about that throughout the morning. We're going to have Michael Corbin joining us next from SWEPCO to get the latest updates right One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. My friend Scott Hughes is in studio. Mike is gone today. He'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, we've got uh our uh co host typically every morning now. Has it been every morning now for a week almost? I think he's reached co host level. Yeah. Uh Michael Corbin with Swepco. Um thank you for being here again. We appreciate it. I know you're a busy, busy, busy man. Give us your latest update on your numbers. How many are still out? What are you still working on? Good morning, uh, Aaron and Scott. Uh, good to be with you again this morning. Um, good news. Numbers continue to fall. SWIPCO wide, three states. We're a little over 37,000 still out. And uh, in Louisiana, which is uh, now primarily just northwest Louisiana, Shreveport, Bossier, surrounding communities, we're at about 20,000 outages. So that's about a 14,000 uh, outage drop from yesterday at this time when we visited. Are some of the crews heading back or are they all still here? Uh, we are beginning to release uh, people that do certain jobs. Uh, we had a number of people in that just did assessment of damage. We're completely assessed now. We know where the damage is. So so we can start letting those folks go back to their families and, uh, and their normal jobs. Uh, Crews will probably not begin um, letting actual crews go for another day or so. 
but we we've reached the point where you know where a repair may bring on an entire neighborhood five or six hundred people those large repairs have been done and we're we're getting into the slower part more compact part i guess if you will where uh we're bringing on four five six homes at a time and uh we don't need so many crews stacked up on top of each other. So there'll be some reassignments to be able to spread them out, and we'll just work a little bit more efficiently these next two or three days. Michael, you mentioned that there's about 20,000 left in northwest Louisiana. Within shreveport Bossier, is that is that isolated? Is it concentrated? How is it spread out, is, or is it just random houses all over the community now? Uh, we're really reaching that point where it is little isolated pockets all over the city. Um, you know, our... Our priorities as we approach a large outage like this is is public safety issues, hospitals, uh, municipal infrastructure, and then what can we do to get the most people on? And then we get down to these to these last days where you know somebody referred to them the other day as the onesies and twosies, and sometimes they're more difficult to find. Uh, they're at the end of a circuit or they're an offshoot of a circuit. Uh, but but all that's been assessed. We know where they are, and 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 we're coming. At what point do I re-report to you that I'm out? Um, we will likely put something out later to uh, later today. That uh, you know, if your power is not on uh, by tonight, go ahead and, and either call or use the Swepco app and let us know one more time that your power's out. Um, there was a little confusion the past two days where people got people who got text alerts may get a text that said your power's been restored when in fact it hasn't that is an automated system and it as a circuit is is re-energized it sends a message to everybody on that circuit uh, so if that entire circuit didn't come on some people got that message and were not happy about it if you get that text message simply reply out o-u-t and that mm-hmm. will immediately let us know you're still out. I got that text message. It says, if you get a text alert that your power is back on, but you're still without power, reply by out. Okay, so that went out to, to all of us, pretty much? Uh, yes, er- everybody who had signed up for text alert. Okay, I got you. And so I think originally, Michael, when this first hit, y'all were giving a date of Saturday um, at 10 o'clock that all power would be restored. And I know it's going to be individual by location, but what's kind of your projection now for these last 20 in Louisiana and maybe the 37 in the three-state area? Well, we feel like we're making good progress, and we've not changed that Saturday 10 p.m. estimated time of restoration. Um, but we're very confident about where we are. We th- think we're making good progress. There's no weather threats uh, left other than the heat and humidity. Uh, so, you know, tomorrow morning we may, we, depending on what the numbers are, we may have some, some additional good news there. But uh, we really want to get through and have a strong day today. We had a tragedy reported in Keithville. A woman died in the heat. Uh, there was no power to her home. Um, really stressing the the need for us to look out for each other, check on our neighbors, check on our relatives, particularly the the elderly. That's critical right now as we're moving into a week without power for some. Well, it really is, and and I think that one thing that this has done is it's brought a lot of the community groups together, and um, the need to have a debrief after this is all over, and how can we coordinate better. How can we uh, make sure that we're reaching out to all pockets of the Arklatex 
And uh, SWEPCO wants to play a big part in that, and and we'll probably lead that uh, the organization of that group initially uh, to to be sure that everybody comes together and and that as a architects in a community, we're better prepared for next time. Michael, slightly different question. As as you and I, you guys are doing a great job. As you get power fully restored. We're seeing now record temperatures, particularly over in Texas, and I saw rolling blackouts in the Fort Worth area. Is there any concern going forward once you get it restored that we're going to generate enough power? Are we going to have any problem as we head into this record heat and that it may go out for other reasons? Well, we're, we have a different grid operator than what um, Texas uses. Theirs is called ERCOT. We've heard that a lot of the news. Mm-hmm. Um, our grid operator is confident that we have capacity uh, to meet the needs uh, that may come up as as temperatures hit triple digits the next few days, um, you know, as we're going through this repair process, um, we may over the next couple of weeks go back and and make some more permanent repairs and and do some other work that may cause some temporary outages, and that's gonna that's gonna catch people by surprise sometimes. Um, but they will be temporary outages and 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 not a part of some you know days long event uh, moving forward. Michael Corbin with Swepco. Let me ask you one more thing that you might not want me to ask you, but people are getting you know their bills in the mail and or they're getting their notification online that it's time to pay your Swepco bill, and they don't love you right now, as you well know. And uh, they're going, I don't know how to pay this bill. I should have paid this bill. And they're, and they're saying they have all these other expenses. They had to buy a generator. They had to buy, replace their food. Are you guys working with folks if they're going to struggle in the next month or two to pay your Swepco bill? We really haven't had a discussion about that yet because, you know, that's that's energy that, that our customers have used uh, in the past month. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly understand and um, you know, at at an appropriate time, we may we may have a conversation about that. But um, no, we've we've not <laughs> we've not talked about it. If, I'm sure people if, will be griping, right? I, I, oh, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I might I might add this because I think you and Scott might remember this. Mm-hmm. We we've talked about unprecedented and and words like that as we talk about the storm. Sure. Uh, our folks did some research in December of 2000 was the last citywide ice storm we've had. And, and y'all may have been around for that. I lost mine for oh, five days. Yes, I remember it. Yeah. 2000, oh, no. it was just two years ago, wasn't it? Well, well, we, and 2000 was the big one. And it was actually two whammies. Somewhere around the 15th, we had ice. It did not did not all melt, and it hit again on Christmas Day on the yeah. 25th. Okay. We had, we had 329 customers out. That outage took 23 days Ooh. to restore. Whoa. So, wow. so, um, you know, not, no outage is a good outage, okay, but I thought I for some perspective, uh, you know, I think that just shows that, that electrical utilities and SWEPCO included has gotten much more efficient in how we approach outages, how we, how we go out, go about and do our work and, um, Seven, eight, nine days is excruciating if you're at the tail end of that. Sure. But but 23 days, I, I just can't imagine. Absolutely. It, it, it's fairly remarkable how you much bet. you can do. We appreciate everything you and your partners have done. Thank you, Michael Corbin. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. One on one.
1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. He'll be back with us tomorrow. My friend Scott Hughes is here. Um, golly, Scott, it's going to be 4th of July. What, next weekend? A little one, past a, that. A little past that. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, like a, it's on a Tuesday, it's right? It's a Tuesday holiday. It's okay. A, it's a Friday to Wednesday holiday this year. Get the way that it's going to fall, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to take some time off during that during that time. I think. I think I'm going to go to San Antonio. I'm not sure. I hadn't decided what I'm if I'm going to just it's chill. A fun town. Yeah, it's a fun town, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Are you doing a big summer vacay? At all? Um, my family and I, this is, this is the last summer that we'll have, um, kids in the house. Okay. As they say, the, yeah. the, the youngest graduate high school. So mm-hmm. we are doing a family get together, a trip we, in, we really enjoy doing at some point. So we're, we're looking forward to that. Going to have both the girls with us. Oh, very cool. And then your youngest is going off to college, right? Youngest is going up to the Boston area for college. Nice. My oldest is in the, the Virginia area. Okay. So they're like a train ride away from each other. They're, it's a significant train ride. <laughs> it, they're about eight hours. Through, oh, through three of the largest metro areas in the country, oh, Washington, man. New York, Philadelphia, yeah. Boston. But, um, yeah, they'll be closer than we will be. Oh, man. And your oldest is how far away from graduating? This will be her fourth year, <gasps> as they say, at the oh, University of Virginia. Wow. And then what? Does she know yet? Um, she doesn't know. I think she's looking at graduate school, possibly law school. But, you know, we're we're, we're taking one semester at a time right now. Ah, she's I doing very you. well. Don't That doesn't mean she's struggling. But right. It's just life decisions when you're that age. And um, the world is really wide open for young kids today. Um, you know, a lot of us work in this world with inflation and everything. But mm-hmm. um, the job demand is tremendous right now. If you're coming out with certain certain education, yeah. certain skills, technical, whether it, there are people looking to employ. And I'm going to ask you this question, and I know you're going to get a lump in your throat. Do you hope they come back here? Do you think they will? Um, I, I mean, you always hope that your kids come back here, but mm-hmm. I, I've known for a long time with kind of with, with what my girls want to do, they're probably not coming back here. Um, my, my oldest has always had an interest kind of in constitutional law, Washington policy. Mm-hmm. And so I really see her up in that DC area and she's in the Northern Virginia area now. Right. So she's pretty close with a pipeline in there. And my, my youngest is expressed in your, your field. She's expressed an interest in journalism. Okay. And so she's going to one of the top five journalism schools up in the Boston area. Okay. And Louisiana, you do a great job. Right. But I don't think it's really a hotbed for journalism. No. And so I don't think she'll come back here given what she wants to do. Oh, man. That's sad. Yeah, it's sad when you realize your kids are probably going to find another home and you'll have to be the one traveling to go visit them. I mean, they'll come home a few times, but... Typically, you're going to have to find you a place to, to go up there and hang out with them. I travel a lot, as you know, so yep. we plan to stay here, and we'll just visit them when we can go see them. Absolutely. 101.7 FM. One oh one seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. The Mike part is not here today. The Scott Hughes part is here. Uh, thank you for coming in. Glad to be here. I it's interesting it. to come to this station. Glad y'all are on air. Yes, we are. We're we're on the app. Uh, we may not be on the the um, AM signal. They're working on it. it. Looks like we had a power glitch this morning. The Elf engineers are everywhere. They are. They're working on it. They. I'm texting them as we speak. 
and uh, so they're working to get that power, the juice back on. So, uh, but you can hear us on the app and uh, share the word with people. If, if you're if you're missing us this morning on the radio, we're on on the Keel app. It's easy to download, free. And it's a, you know, we sound sexier on the app, to be quite honest. I always listen on the app. I travel a lot, and you're mm -hmm. my connection to home. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I want to shift gears and not talk about the power and the storm uh, for a minute here. We had a couple of big court cases yesterday. Political court cases. Yes. You don't get them very often. No, you don't. Let's start with Barbara Smith-Iverson on the Caddo School Board. Uh, she was challenged. Her residency was challenged, whether or not she actually still lives in Caddo Parish. She moved to Bossier City where she has an apartment. She claims an address on Greenwood Road that apparently, Scott, is an industrial zoned area where it's not zoned for residents. Is that, am I right about that? Well, and, and that is possibly in dispute. The building is on Greenwood Road. It is unquestionably in an industrial area and mm -hmm. would be a commercial building. In fact, I think it's been a real estate office in the past. You know, my, okay. my, my, my field of field, but she's apparently owned it since 2000. These are facts that came out in the case. Mm -hmm. She's owned it since 2000. She claims that it's her domicile. Now we've had these before. We had this with Senator Tarver and some, you know, questions before mm -hmm. domiciles where you legally claim residence. You can have multiple residences, places that you live. Okay. You can only have one domicile, your official home address. So she claims it as her domicile. And she claims that she's lived there in this house, this building, mm -hmm. that, that apparently the um, NPC or zoning went by at some point, maybe at the request of the DA, um, because they had a complaint filed. And it doesn't look habitable. It doesn't look like it's been occupied. Mm. She claims that it was broken into in February and took some damage. And she was advised by a counselor to move out for her mental health. Um, but the, the people following the complaint, which is now the district attorney, the district attorney okay. actually becomes the complainant, I think, at a certain point, is that she's not living there. So it's a domicile versus residency issue. Okay. And we're 10 days now. The judge says he'll issue a ruling in that case. Because there's no question she's living in Bossier. She admitted to that in court. You, you bet. The other case is Caddo Commissioner Stephen Jackson, who... Um, was facing charges in Bozier City. He's got actually multiple things are going he, on. He We're does. dealing just with the Bozier charges today. Right, just the Bozier charges. He entered a plea of guilty to a lesser charge, a misdemeanor charge, um, a false impersonation, I believe, was false the charge. False impersonation of police officers. I appreciate the facts. Um, that something happened up in North Bossier off of, um, airline, airline drive. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mr. Jackson, um, has a car business that's been reported before and he sells used cars, used police cars oftentimes. Okay. And a car, um, got into a conflict driven by someone, we'll say that, got into a conflict with another driver and then they, they lit him up, as they say. They threw the button and the car, this car still had the police lights in it and they pulled this other car over and the, 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 um, the, the allegation is the person driving the car acted as a police officer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and said then, they were a police officer. And said they were a police officer. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want to get into saying all. And so this this created charges. The person in the other car, when they questioned them, they couldn't produce ID. Some things happened. And the, then the person in the 
the the police car, which was owned by Stephen Jackson. That part is unquestioned. Right. Then that person um, speeds away. And then the Bossier police do an investigation and some things come out. And ultimately, Mr. Jackson um, effectively gets arrested or charged, whatever the legal term is mm-hmm. there, um, for impersonating a police officer. And it's sat around now for quite a while. And then yesterday, apparently, um, he goes into court. Mr. Jackson goes into court and pleads guilty to a lesser non-felony version of the impersonating a police officer, which has created a lot of questions. Now, if yeah, if he were if he pled guilty to a felony, he would no longer be able to serve on the commission. Nor could he file for a future office. And many of us believe he's going to run for a state representative seat. So he pled it down to a lesser charge, which is a misdemeanor. But he still claims that was not him in the vehicle. He said the police report says the victim claimed it was a white male. And if you see the police report, it says WM. Several times. Mm -hmm. And Jackson says he cannot be confused for a white male. And that is correct. There's Mm -hmm. there's almost no world you're going to confuse Mr. Jackson um, for a white male. And so it's very curious because there was something that took place in court that the net result was he pled guilty. And for those that are lawyers or have ever been to court, that is a very specific process. There, It is not that you had your attorney say, we're going to cut a deal. You have to stand before the judge. They read the charges into the record. Traditionally, I was not there, so I don't mm-hmm. know what took place yesterday. But traditionally, they read the charges and evidence in. And the judge then asks a series of very specific questions. Are you guilty of this? Did you do this? You're not pleading guilty because you're under duress or something or you're being threatened. So right. he effectively pled guilty. Then after is what were the were for us and in fairness, Mr. Jackson, I've known Mr. Jackson for a long time. I would mm-hmm. call us friends. I knew him before I knew him was at Gram, Grambling back in the day as student okay. government president at Grambling. So he is a friend. Um but this makes no sense. Because then he puts out a press, his own press release to the media. I think you got a copy. Mm-hmm. I got a copy afterwards where he basically claims he was not the driver. Yep. That he was letting someone test drive that SUV who was a bad character. And that person, he cl- well, name that person. Well, and, th- and that's where you the know? confusion Come on. comes. If, if, if those facts are true, and I am not saying they're not. Let me be clear on that. Right. I'm not saying they're not. But if those facts are true... Then, A, why would you go plead to something that you did not do? Never in a million years would I do that. And, B, I don't believe that the Bossier police and district attorney would accept that plea when they could simply turn and say, so who was driving the car? Because that person, if correct, still impersonated a police officer. Yes, they want that person. And so somewhere in here, what we may have is a, is a clerical error on a police report. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if, if it wasn't Mr. Jackson, why wouldn't you turn over the other person and right. let that person be prosecuted for what's clearly a crime? And, and police will say Mr. Jackson was picked out of a lineup um his cell phone was traced to that area at the time this incident happened so they have more evidence than just that person's word they have other evidence that they were able to gather but mr jackson continues to say that you know a bad person somebody with bad intentions was test driving his suv i have invited mr jackson to come on today um i have not heard he he texted me late last night when i was asleep I texted him this morning when he's probably asleep. But, but he so. says that, mm-hmm. but then he stood before a judge and he pled guilty that, I, that, that, to a lesser non-felony charge. I don't But do that's that. what happened. I don't do that. I take that police report and I wave to my criminal defense attorney and I kick and scream. They said, it's a white male. Look at me. Am I a white male? 
and you find me not guilty. And then I move on down the and road. There's a lot of questions around both of those cases. You bet. Um, and so, but, but what's clear at this point, though, is Mr. Jackson, that, that case is apparently final. Um, yeah. The Iverson Smith case, that case, we have to wait about nine or ten days. Mm-hmm. And the judge will tell us if she's still the District 7 school board representative in Caddo Parish. Absolutely. 1017. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Uh, Scott Hughes is in studio with me. We've got about four minutes or so here. The latest Webco numbers. Uh, Michael Corbin gave us earlier this morning. They're did coming you, down. Yes, it looks good. Did you write them down? I did. He okay. said for a three state area, which is their service area, largely us in Texas right now with who's out thirty seven thousand. That's way down. That was two hundred fifty thousand yes. a week ago. Um, almost a week ago today. It was, it was mm-hmm. Thursday night a week ago. And he said in Louisiana portion of the AEP Swepco service area, there's now about 20,000. And those are customers, wow, not yeah. people, but it's about the same. We were 35,000 yesterday at that same. And so we're down yeah. 15, 14, 15,000 from yesterday. So about 20,000 left in our local area, our, our listening audience, Northwest mm-hmm. Louisiana. And then he went on to say of that 20,000, unfortunately, we're getting now down to the isolations, the one-offs. Yeah. So your street may have it and three people don't. It may be right. a subdivision here. There are still a few larger areas, but we're getting down, down where it's probably less than 50 in places where it's out now. I, you and I have not spoken about what happened with you. Let's take you back to last Friday morning. Uh, were you in town when the storm roared, roared through one thirty in the morning? I was not. I actually was out of town. I was in Baton Rouge. Okay. Um, uh, at, at, for some, for some meetings and in a weird way, I had stayed up Thursday night till one o'clock watching. Actually, I watched the U.S. men's soccer team till oh, about 1130. Yeah, we beat cool. Mexico. It was fabulous. Um, but then watched some videos for work and went to bed around one fifteen. And, um, so I was sleeping fairly hard. I woke up around 645. I put in my earplug to turn on the Kiel app. That's what mm-hmm. I do when I'm traveling. And the first thing I hear is you talking to Michael Corbin, and there's 250,000 people without power. I'm like, what happened? It was oh, only five and a half hours. My. And I was not aware of the storm. And then I look down, and I see 10 texts from my family, my wife, and the, who are here in town. And I start learning about the storm. And, of course, my day job, I run the Realtor Association. Mm-hmm. And so we manage the property. And I'm starting to get texts from my people. My my, my building was out. Um, we were blessed. Um, I almost feel bad to say it, but my house did not have any damage or lose power. You didn't lose power at all. Which, no. And I You were in, in the middle of a, tr- a tree farm. Yeah, I live in a part of town that typically when squirrels fight, we lose power. Yes. But my block did not lose power. This is sort of the reverse of where we are now. Now most people have power and some blocks don't have power. Mm-hmm. On Thursday night, Friday morning, most of my neighborhood did not have power. My block had power. So I had to finish my meetings and come home and my mother did not have power. We mm-hmm. were checking with friends. Um, we actually had people stay with us for three or four nights. Um, we were able to get my building back online on Sunday. Not me. Swepco did. Okay. Thank you, Swepco. They got my building back online Sunday. Um, I run a 1,600-member trade association. Right. We've been serving as a cooling and charging station for our members. We have an okay. industrial ice machine. So we've been trying to help out the people that, that we that we can help out do our part. 
but it was awful. And so I had oh. to drive into the community on that Friday to so, see. Oh, wow. And, and then where I live, I live at a significant corner in town and there's a red light. I live in a corner lot and there's a red light right outside my house. And we literally for four days have sat and looked out the window and just kept thinking the wreck's going to happen. Shreveport Bossier Aaron doesn't know what to do when the oh. lights out. It's awful. It, I, I've it's nearly so watched people die. God, it's crazy. I almost got T-boned myself. We will talk more about this. I'm curious about your drive up 49, what you saw, too. We'll talk about that when we get back. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. My friend Scott Hughes is here. Mike two point Yes, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. I'm curious on your and we teased it before the break. Your drive from Baton Rouge back up here on forty nine. Last Friday afternoon. Yeah, when the storm had come through. I'm curious how much damage you could see from I forty nine at all, if any at all. We saw actually we saw none. Um, I, I had someone traveling the car with me, and we were looking because we knew what was going on. I was getting reports, um, and we saw no damage. Really, even in the Shreveport, we could see no damage. Um, we became aware when we pulled off in Natchitoches because we had already heard about the gas. That was the, one of the original things was gas. No power to run the stations. Run where there was gas. Mm-hmm. So we pulled off to um, to fill up our tank in Natchitoches there at I-49 at French Market, if you, you know bet. where the place is. Sure. And as I exited, it was apparently something had happened because there were already gas lines in Natchitoches. Uh-huh. And so what I understand now was um, yes, that is Natchitoches when you get off. They've actually extended the city limits out there for tax mm-hmm. purposes, but that wasn't where the damage was in Natchitoches. It was down more in the Natchitoches area, okay. the trees, and I-49 was running all out, but the people were coming out from Natchitoches to get gas at mm-hmm. those stations. Okay. Plus, people like us had heard, get your gas before you get to Shreveport. Right. So when I, did you notice it when you got to Shreveport? When could you start seeing some of the damage? I did not actually see damage. Um, I come in straight off 49. Mm-hmm. I live. I live in the the Piermont area. Mm-hmm. So I come straight off 49. I get off at Piermont Road and pretty much straight to my house. Um, okay. And so I did not see any damage. Um, what I saw was the stoplights out. I okay. saw there was no power at that point in many of the locations. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Brookshire's online is kind of near my house, and it was right. closed. And so it was like a ghost town. There wasn't people around. Wow. Um, but there really was no significant damage that I could see. I didn't see damage until I went over to my mother's house. She had been without power now okay. for about a day, well, you know, thir- you know, 20 hours at that point maybe. And so I went over to um, pick her up. She's she's um, she's in her 80s, and she had been in her house, which wasn't that bad. That Friday, in hindsight, was a little cooler. There was a little cloud cover still on that true, Friday. True, true. I remember when I picked my mom up around 4.30 at her house, it was only up to about 78 at her house because of the cloud mm, cover. Yeah. But she came with us back to the house, stayed with us for several days. But that's where I saw damage. When I had to go down 70th Street, when I went over the Jimmy Davis Bridge, oh. when I went into South Bossier, which had been hit pretty hard. Yes. Um, even though they don't, I did not get into Shady Grove. I was just right there by the Century Tell area. Mm-hmm. But all those trees were down there off of the park way. Oh, those pecan trees, yeah. yeah. A lot of damage in the area. That's when it became apparent this was going to be 
a long time. And then over the next 24 hours, I got to get around the community. There were trees down on Gilbert. There were trees that hit mm-hmm. houses on Gilbert. You started seeing some damage. I heard yesterday that uh, maybe it's on your show, Tom, uh, the mayor was on, Tom Arsenault, and he talked about that there are over 800 structures that yes. have taken damage mm-hmm. um, in different forms. And so this was basically, um, I think they call it a dash echo is the official meteorological term right. for what happened. But it's basically a hurricane that hit us without water. That's unbelievable. We They want you to report your damage. So we will uh, talk about that and how you can do that when we get back. It's really important that your damage is reported in the total determines kind of how much help we can get. That is coming up next right here. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel. Mike and McCarty, my friend Scott Hughes is in studio with us. Thanks for being here. Mike's gone. Glad to be here. He will be back tomorrow. Um mentioned briefly before the break that um I, I know we've talk, spent a lot of time talking about power outages and the damage in the area. Uh the mayor has told us, but I wanted to really make it make it emphasize today how important it is to report the damage at your home. If you're if a tree hit your fence or your car or your house or caused damage to any structure on your property, even though you may not make an insurance claim, even though you might make an insurance claim, you still need to report the damage to the local folks. That, that's correct. And I think there's two ways you can really do that specifically. There's a state website, damage, D-A-M-A-G-E, damage.la.gov. So damage.la.gov. And you can do that regardless where you live, Caddo, Bossier, Webster, mm-hmm. tech, you know, anywhere in Louisiana. And if you're in the city of Shreveport specifically, they also have a phone number. Or you Caddo can, Parish. Or yeah. Caddo Parish. You can do damage.la.gov or you can dial the 318-675-2255. And I think it's important if you have damage reported, you don't have to have filed insurance, but this helps the whole community reach certain levels that then kicks in reimbursements or monies for the community. You bet. And it and there will be, you know, the federal purse strings get loosened up if you reach a certain threshold. Again, the mayor told us yesterday there were 854 structures they know have damage. It's probably going to go way higher than that once everybody starts reporting it. So they need to know, you know, even if it was your shop in the back or your garage apartment or whatever it might have been, let them know that a tree fell on it and damaged part of your roof or whatever it was and, so and they the can roof, keep track. The, the, the roofs will be the next stage because so far we've dealt with power. We haven't had a lot of people be able to get around. As power comes back on, people will start to evaluate roofs. Um, the best we can tell, I, I used the term desheco earlier. I think that's the, the, mm-hmm. the technical term for what took place. But basically we got hit with hurricane force winds in this community, followed by the, the rain, the storm. And so many roofs are going to discover they took some damage. Lastly, our last minute, you'll know this. If somebody's a contractor and wants to repair your roof or repair your house, get their credentials, right? Don't give them all the cash up front. The three things that my, my people, my realtor friends tell me that you should do. Number one, you should make sure they're licensed. Ask for their license number so you can check that they're licensed with the state contracting board. Number two, make sure they're bonded. Any good legitimate contractor will be bonded. And number three, do not pay up front. Never pay up front. No legitimate contractor demands money up front. Great advice, Scott Hughes. More with Scott and uh, lots of other topics coming up. 
101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. Mike is out. Scott Hughes is here. Um, you've been paying a lot of attention to the Titanic sub or submersible, whatever they're calling it. It's called it's, the Titan. It's small. It's less smaller than this room, right? It, you could fit two of them in this room, from from my from what I understand. Wow. It's a, basically, it is a it is a submersible. They don't call it a submarine. It's a submersible mm-hmm. made of titanium and steel and meant to go well, well down thirteen thousand feet. That's the the depth of Mount Fuji. If you've ever seen Mount Fuji in Japan, that tall mm-hmm. mountain, right? They're going that far down into the ocean. That's where the Titanic is. Um, the pressure is great. It's like ninety thousand tons per square inch. Basically, if it if a crack happens in the in the submersible, the entire thing crushes down to the size of a, a tin can. Golly, five people on board. They paid twenty two hundred and fifty thousand a piece to go Four on this passengers trip. Passengers paid a quarter million dollars okay. each. As a father um, and son, his nineteenth birthday, his dad took him along. He's a I think a Pakistani billionaire, and mm-hmm. he and his son went. There's a former NASA NASA astronaut a guy that kind of likes to do this kind of thing, and then there's a billionaire. The fourth passenger is a billionaire who's sort of doing it, and then the fifth guy is the owner of the sub, the manager. He's the pilot. So what went wrong? Do we have any clues, any theories from experts? What's the problem? We don't. It's a it's a it's an experimental vessel. You're offshore, so there aren't a whole lot of laws. You're out in international water, and so they've done this trip before. People have gone down and done this, and it's a it's a it's really like tourism. You're going down to see the Titanic, but if you understand the Titanic's at thirteen thousand feet, absolute blackness. Like very few things live that low, that low down. It's it's blow freezing water there's tremendous pressures octopus can't even live down here mm-hmm. um and so you can only see a couple of feet even if you have a light outside the submarine you can only see a couple of feet the best scenario i've heard and this is speculative so please don't text or write us i'm just you asked me a question mm-hmm. uh, but if you put yourself in the contraption and you talk to people who've done it before you're going down to see the titanic if you can only see five or ten feet out of the one window, you're going to have to be within five or ten feet of the Titanic to oh. see the Titanic. So the speculation is, unless something disastrous happened, the speculation is they got up close to the ship and they got stuck. They got something. Un- they got under the propeller. They got lodged. Because I, I think I was sharing with you off air a second ago, I've done some research. The Titan, the submersible, mm-hmm. actually has, it has 96 hours of air, which unfortunately they're at that point now. Right. They can perhaps extend that a little bit by sleeping and breathing, you know, being calm. and mm-hmm. But they're not going to get much more air than what they really, really have. And so, but it, it has a built-in safety mechanism that intrigued me. That after 24 hours, if the Titan was not headed back up it's programmed to jettison the bolt the, the weight and automatically surface that would have been monday it hasn't automatically surfaced so something is keeping it's it keeping down keeping it down something's keeping it down there or something happened and it imploded it, it literally crushed itself into a small little cube mm. of, of metal at, at that at that depth so what about the noises they keep hearing do they, we know anything about that they, they're hearing banging noises um, and that's an, it's an unnatural sound and they're trying to determine what it could be. The speculation is they're stuck and that somebody, these are smart people. Like say one of the, one of the passengers is a NASA astronaut. The guy was trained, oh. you know, in, 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 in these types of situations. And so the, the speculation is that they are periodically banging on the hull of the sub God. to send this sonar out so people know they're still there. But even if they find the sub, it's going to take hours to raise it because of the depth and the bends. You just can't oh. pop up to the surface. It's not a happy ending. It,
1017 FM, 710 Keel. Mike and McCarty. My friend Scott Hughes is in studio. Mike is gone today. He'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh, on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, we've got uh, our uh, co-host typically every morning now. Has it been every morning now for a week almost? I think he's reached co-host level. Yeah. Uh, Michael Corbin with Swepco. Um Thank you for being here again. We appreciate it. I know you're a busy, busy, busy man. Give us your latest update on your numbers. How many are still out? What are you still working on? Good morning, uh, Aaron and Scott. Uh, good to be with you again this morning. Um, good news. Numbers continue to fall. SWIPCO wide, three states. We're a little over 37,000 still out. And uh, in Louisiana, which is uh, now primarily just northwest Louisiana, Shreveport, Bossier, surrounding communities, we're at about 20,000 outages. So that's about a 14,000 uh, outage drop from yesterday at this time when we visited. Are some of the crews heading back or are they all still here? Uh, we are beginning to release uh, people that do certain jobs. Uh, we had a number of people in that just did assessment of damage. We're completely assessed now. We know where the damage is. So so we can start letting those folks go back to their families and uh, and their normal jobs. Uh, crews will probably not begin um, letting actual crews go for another day or so. Uh, but we've, we've reached the point where, you know, where a repair may bring on an entire neighborhood, five or 600 people. Those large repairs have been done, and we're, we're getting into the slower part, more compact part, I guess, if you will, we're uh, we're bringing on four, five, six homes at a time, and uh, we don't need so many crews stacked up on top of each other. So there'll be some reassignments to be able to spread them out, and we'll just work a little bit more efficiently these next two or three days. Michael, you mentioned that there's about twenty thousand left in Northwest Louisiana within Shreveport, Bossier. Is that is that isolated? Is it concentrated? How is it spread out? Is or is it just random houses all over the community now? Uh, we're really reaching that point where it is little isolated pockets all over the city. Um, you know, our our priorities as we approach a large outage like this is is public safety issues, hospitals, uh, municipal infrastructure, and then what can we do to get the most people on? And then we get down to these to these last days where you know somebody referred to them the other day as the onesies and twosies and sometimes they're more difficult to find uh they're at the end of a circuit or they're an offshoot of a circuit uh but but all that's been assessed we know where they are and 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 we're coming at what point do i re-report to you that i'm out um we will likely put something out later to uh later today that uh you know if your power is not on uh by tonight Go ahead and, and either call or use the Swepco app and let us know one more time that your power's out. Um, there was a little confusion the past two days where people got, people who got text alerts may get a text that said your power's been restored when in fact it hasn't. That is an automated system and it, as a circuit is, is re-energized, it sends a message to everybody on that circuit. Uh, so if that entire circuit didn't come on, some people got that message and were not happy about it. If you get that text message, simply reply out, O-U-T, and that mm-hmm. will immediately let us know you're still out. I got that text message. It says, if you get a text alert that your power is back on, 
but you're still without power, reply by out. Okay, so that went out to, to all of us, pretty much? Uh, yes, er- everybody who had signed up for text alert. Okay, I got you. And so I think originally, Michael, when this first hit, y'all were giving a date of Saturday um, at 10 o'clock that all power would be restored. And I know it's going to be individual by location, but what's kind of your projection now for these last 20 in Louisiana and maybe the 37 in the three-state area? Well, we feel like we're making good progress, and we've not changed that Saturday 10 p.m. estimated time of restoration. Um, but we're very confident about where we are. We th- think we're making good progress. There's no weather threats uh, left other than the heat and humidity. Uh, so, you know, tomorrow morning we may, we depending on what the numbers are, we may have some, some additional good news there. But uh, we really want to get through and have a strong day today. We had a tragedy reported Keithville. A woman died in the heat. Uh, there was no power to her home. Um, really stressing the the need for us to look out for each other, check on our neighbors, check on our relatives, particularly the the elderly. That's critical right now as we're moving into a week without power for some. Well, it really is, and and I think that one thing that this has done is it's brought a lot of the community groups together, and um, the need to have a debrief after this is all over, and how can we coordinate better. How can we uh, make sure that we're reaching out to all pockets of the Arklatex? And uh, SWEPCO wants to play a big part in that, and, and we'll probably lead that uh, the organization of that group initially uh, to, to be sure that everybody comes together and, and that as a Arklatex in a community, we're better prepared for next time. Michael, slightly different question. As as you and I, you guys are doing a great job. As you get power fully restored, we're seeing now record temperatures, particularly over in Texas. And I saw rolling blackouts in the Fort Worth area. Is there any concern going forward once you get it restored that we're going to generate enough power? Are we going to have any problem as we head into this record heat and that it may go out for other reasons? Well, we're, we have a different grid operator than what um, Texas uses. Theirs is called ERCOT. We've heard that a lot of the news. Mm-hmm. Um, our grid operator is confident that we have capacity uh, to meet the needs uh, that may come up as, as temperatures hit triple digits the next few days. Um, you know, as we're going through this repair process, um, we may over the next couple of weeks go back and and make some more permanent repairs and, and do some other work that may cause some temporary outages. And that's going to, that's going to catch people by surprise sometimes. Um, but they will be temporary outages and, and, and not a part of some, you know, days long event uh, moving forward. Michael Corbin with Swepco. Let me ask you one more thing that you might not want me to ask you, but people are getting, you know, their bills in the mail and or they're getting their notification online that it's time to pay your Swepco bill. And they don't love you right now, as you well know. And uh, they're going, I don't know how to pay this bill. I should have paid this bill. And they're, and they're saying they have all these other expenses. They had to buy a generator. They had to buy, replace their food. Are you guys working with folks if they're going to struggle in the next month or two to pay your Swepco bill? We really haven't had a discussion about that yet because, you know, that's that's energy that, that our customers have used uh, in the past month. Mm-hmm. Um, we certainly understand and um, you know, at at an appropriate time, we may we may have a conversation about that. But um, no, we've we've not <laughs> we've not talked about it. If, I'm sure people if, will be griping, right? I, I, oh, I'm sure. 
I might add this because I think you and Scott might remember this. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about unprecedented and, and words like that as we talk about the storm. Sure. Uh, our folks did some research. In December of 2000 was the last citywide ice storm we've had, and, and y'all may have been around for that. I lost mine for Ona. five days. Yes, I remember it. Yeah. 2000? It was just two years ago, wasn't it? Well, well, we, and 2000 was the big one, and it was actually two whammies. Somewhere around the 15th, we had ice. It did not did not all melt, and it hit again on Christmas Day on the yeah. 25th. Okay. We had, we had 329 customers out. That outage took 23 days Ooh. to restore. Whoa. So, wow. so um, you know, not... No outage is a good outage, okay, but I yeah, thought gotcha. for some perspective, uh, you know, I think that just shows that that electrical utilities and SWEPCO included has gotten much more efficient in how we approach outages, how we how we go out go about and do our work, and um, seven, eight, nine days is excruciating if you're at the tail end of that. Sure, but but twenty three days. I just can't imagine. Absolutely. It's, it's fairly remarkable how you much bet. you can do. We appreciate everything you and your partners have done. Thank you, Michael Corbin. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Bye. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Mike is out back on tomorrow with us. Um, got Scott Hughes in studio with me. You you made an interesting argument that I strongly disagree with. So we're, where's a bottle that I can throw at him? I haven't thrown anything at him today. <laughs> um, price gouging. Uh, reports of gas some places four twenty five a gallon. A bag of ice five bucks a. For for a bag of ice, that's a buck seventy nine or two bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, during a crisis, it's not allowed. During a regular time of time of year, you can price gouge all you want. If there are, pay. in theory, laws on the books against price gouging. And they Radio kick, air quotes they, price gouging. They kick in during a crisis or a declared emergency. Declared state of emergencies mm-hmm. by the governor, the president, or I would guess the mayor, perhaps. Yes, and we are under a state of emergency as declared by Governor John Bell Edwards. You can report price gouging to the attorney general's office, but you have a different take on it. You're with your crazy thing self down there. What is your take? Um, and, and please don't text me or, or call me crazy. I'm going to give you the economic. You and I were talking off there right. about the economic theory argument. Obviously, we're all against price gouging. I mean, we, we see it as immoral and it's wrong. But if you're truly a free market economist, if you're truly laissez-faire economics, let the market decide, Mm -hmm. there's no such thing as price gouging. Price gouging, price is always based on supply and demand. If you're, and I have an, you know, I'm an MBA, I have economics background, and so it's supply and demand. When you have more people wanting a product Mm -hmm. and you have less of that product, price goes up. Sure. So that's exactly what happens in a price gouging situation. Suddenly, everybody wants gas. Where the gas system is not built for 200,000 people in one day to get gas, it's built for 20,000 people to get gas. So you get gas lines, and so stations raise their price. You know, water, which was sitting on the floor at $2 a case yesterday, is now $10 a case mm. because everybody wants it. And so um, I'm not arguing that we shouldn't 
watch out for price gouging, and I think we should. Sure. I, I, I more encourage people to watch out for bad contractors and getting fraud. I think fraud's oh, a bad situation. Huge. And, and, and theft in these times. But at the end of the day, okay, so if I keep that water at $2 a case, who gets it? Mm. There's 200,000 people that want that case of water or that gallon of gas. Who gets it if I'm going to sell it for $2.99 a gallon? If I raise the price to $4, suddenly some people can't afford it. I hate to say that. Right. But it, it creates supply and demand. And so that that's all So you're only is. for rich people? No, I'm not for rich people. I'm, I'm, I'm not for rich people. You know I'm playing. But, but that is economics. That is how economics works. Now, certainly, I'm in favor of, of preventing price gouging. Right. But it's also so important. I think you've done a great job at Keel. I think our community resources, the state, the, mainly the city and the parish have really stepped up. Um, but what, this is why you want to help people. This is why the, 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 the groups come out. The, the Shreveport Network group comes out. Mm-hmm. People come in and help us. The Cajun Navy often rolls in and helps. Yep. Because people need help. The market can't handle emergencies because the market's based on fair market price and you're going to get price gouging. Gotcha. Yeah. Report it to your attorney general. It's illegal during a state of emergency, so you can get in touch with the attorney general's office if you want to report it. I don't know what they do about it, though, from there. We'll have to see. It's hard to prove. It's hard to convict. And mainly, you, you, you count on people's goodwill to be kind and sell the product for what you were selling it for last week. That's what the law kind of mm-hmm. says. Just remember, next week, who was price gouging this week? That's what I say. And that's laissez-faire economics. Absolutely. If you don't like what a vendor did, then don't shop there after the storm. That's how you move your money. Absolutely. One oh one seven. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. My friend Scott Hughes is in for Mike today. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. Um, we're going to shift gears a minute. We uh, there was a guilty plea in a Bozier courtroom yesterday by a local official, and he and I have been talking this morning via text. Stephen Jackson, Caddo Commissioner, about his guilty plea and um, trying to get him to come on the air. He He's agreed. A, he entered a plea mm-hmm. and he put out a press release. I yes. think that's what really that's what really made this more of a news story. Absolutely, it's a press release and. You know, why would you plead to something that you don't think that you did? That's our question for Stephen Jackson, and he'll join. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. Mike is out today. My friend Scott Hughes in studio. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. And you know what? I did not think he would do it. He's doing it, and I'm in. Impressed by that. Caddo Commissioner Stephen Jackson is joining us this morning. First, the, the storm, real quickly on the storm. Um, what is happening today with regard to getting out and helping people? What, what do people need today? What can you guys help him help? What are you guys helping with? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for, uh, asking about that. I've actually, uh, been without power as well. And, uh, uh, one of the things that we have been doing is, uh, trying to get, uh, those uh, places where trees are on private property, uh, trying to go ahead and get those uh, trees removed so that Swepco can go ahead and restore power. So y'all are going um, on private property now? Uh, well, when you're in a state of emergency, we can pay. The parish will not be going on private property, okay. but we can pay contractors uh, to go on private property. And it's in state law that allows us. To how do you, how do I get my, my tree removed from my house? What do I, who do I call? I, Swepco is Swepco is directing people to a, uh, I believe, Providence House has stepped up to be sort of the facilitator of this process. 
Okay. And so SWEPCO is actually directing people who have this problem. Aaron, you're still without power? I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm, oh, no. <laughs> you can come hang that out. I got a couple extra bedrooms if you're, you know, if you're burning up in the afternoon. Yeah, and I'm also looking and talk, having a conversation about can we do like a loan a generator where citizens maybe can loan each other a generator. I don't know how that could go. I got to believe that there are some folks out there who don't need their generator anymore. Maybe they can go help a neighbor okay. or help somebody on the other side of town hook up a generator safely because uh, we want people to be safe and hooking up these generators and, um, you know, uh, get, let someone use it for a day or two until we can get to Saturday or Sunday when okay. the power can be restored. All right. The, the, the other story of the day, you know, we've been talking about the storm now for a full week, you know, with all kinds of folks. Uh, you appeared in a Bossier courtroom yesterday and entered a guilty plea to what charge? Well, I, I, uh, I uh, did a plea agreement, plea arrangement, plea bargain. Uh, it's called plea bargain for a reason. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the charge, uh, but it was not, I can tell you, it was not false impersonation of an officer. Uh, it wasn't that. So okay, uh, we did that process. We but you say process. you're not guilty. So why plead? Uh, for me, Aaron, uh, I'm about moving on. Uh, I tell people, and I explained this to someone yesterday who got it, uh, I vote every every two weeks I vote on things. And sometimes, you know, I don't always agree with what's on the agenda, but to keep the peace and move things along, I vote in favor of it. I'll give you an example. Uh, just Monday, I, I don't necessarily uh, agree with the speed uh, monitoring out in the past. I don't fundamentally agree with it, but, you know, uh, some people have convinced me to support it, and I'm going to hold my nose and I'm going to support it. Okay, you are not in the SUV. You did not impersonate a police officer. Somebody you know was. Who is it? That's the criminal oh, that's out well, there. Well, Aaron, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. My statement, I put out a statement. My statement speaks for itself. My statement is truthful. <laughs> nothing in my statement does not. Nothing in my statement is not truthful. And I'll just say that. Uh, I'm not a white male. Um, I do own a car dealership. That's a public record. You can go on the Used Motor Vehicle Commission website and see that I'm a car dealer. You were um, picked out of a lineup. Um, was something wrong with that? White, but I'm not a white male. Okay. And so. But could I, that have been a clerical error on part of the police officer? If the victim picked you out of a lineup, that seems a bit. And your cell phone pinged in that same area at the same time. Those are things well, that I'm like, ah, that doesn't smell right. Well, let me just say this. Cell phones don't drive cars. <laughs> a cell phone can't be a white male. And uh, there's nothing that has been produced that puts me in a vehicle. I mean, I, it did, none of this, all of what you just said, Aaron, you still don't put me in a vehicle at the place where they say this happened. Did you? Mm, I, okay. I don't know. <laughs> if, if someone picked you out of a physical uh, wait, lineup, that, that seems your, I, pretty was, definitive. No. But but what you just said was, I don't know. And that's the issue. Uh, when I tried to give this information over, uh, I couldn't get and sit down with the police officer. And I believe I put that out uh, in January when I put my statement out. And so, um, again, my statement is out. My statement speaks for itself. I'm not a white male. I own a dealership. I accepted responsibility as the owner of the dealership. And I accepted Bozier's plea deal but you you're you're saying that the bozier da is still calling you a liar and you take issue with that right well i mean i'm not a liar 
my statement. There's nothing in my statement that is not factual. And so I'm not a liar. Who was uh, driving your vehicle? Who who had, who was behind the wheel of your vehicle and allegedly well, impersonated a police officer? You well, obviously yeah, know the person. Well, I don't know. I don't know people who come test drive vehicles. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to leave that issue in the past. I'm moving on from that issue. I accept it. Bozier City, Bozier Paris, plea deal. And uh, I'm at peace with it. Are you uh, running for I, state representative? Have you decided yet? Well, I'm more focused on things, uh, particularly about making sure the citizens who I represent, I still have citizens and constituents who are without power uh, in Shreveport, uh, Caddo Parish, particularly in District 3. I still have some folks in Cherokee Park, North Highlands, and Stony Hill who don't have power. And that's where my focus is right now, is making sure that they don't get forgotten about. A lot of times when um, the majority of the city gets back to operational uh, we tend to forget about those folks here in the middle of the city uh, mm-hmm. that tend to get forgotten about. And that's where my thoughts are right now. So I'm going to be focused solely on making sure we can help them. And then also trying to make sure that we can help folks replace things like all of the food that, that, that a lot of folks lost. Food costs has been soaring. And so folks are spending money. Uh, a lot of folks said they made groceries because it was an extended holiday or because it was summer and the kids are out and they made groceries. And all of that was lost. That's what my priority is. It's not on this back and forth. It's not on the politics right now. It's and you, about and you, just, you decided to plea essentially so you're not in the middle of a trial and expenses and all the time that would be involved. Is that kind of what you're, you put out a statement? That's kind of what it said. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at some point, I, I think it, it comes out of Donald Trump's book, The Art of the Deal. Is you pay the hundred dollars and move on. Um, I, I have a friend who says you can be dead wrong and you can be dead right. And so Stephen uh, Jackson is like Donald Trump today. Is that what you're saying? You can either be dead wrong or you can be dead right. And so, uh, you know, there was a point in my life where I just believe you go down fighting. And and at a certain point, you got to look at the you got to look at the scenario in front of you and say, do I go here or do I go there? Move on. I mean, Uh it's no point in in fighting uh, I don't understand why some folks are not happy. I just don't get that. Well, Stephen, uh, it wasn't I, I, my deal. I get you. <laughs> I get it. I I can't. You know, I texted you last night. Um, I did not anticipate you would do this. I'm impressed you have agreed to and you have done it. And I can't thank you enough. Well, no, I, I appreciate the opportunity to always uh, kind of come on. I was just again. I'll say my my statement speaks for itself. And there's nothing inaccurate or false in my state. Caddo Commissioner Stephen Jackson, thanks so much. I hope you get power back soon. Thanks, thanks. Uh huh. One hundred one seven. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel. We're closing things up. Uh, what did you hear, Mister Jackson? Say, did you hear anything that was surprising? Um, I didn't hear anything that was surprising based on the facts that we know. Okay. What he said was, "I'll let my statement stand." What I see is, and um, and again, I like to preface that Stephen and I are friends. I've known him for a long time. You've mm-hmm. known Stephen Jackson for a long time. What I heard him say was that the record seems to be inconclusive. 
and that I wanted to close this up and move on. Right. And so in the end, he pleads to a non-felony. That's mm-hmm. the key here. Right. Non-felony as an elected official, he'll be allowed to keep his current office. We all believe he's going to run for a state representative seat coming up in the future. That is now can proceed. That's mm-hmm. not going to get in the way of this. But um, just a lot of questions about why you'd plead to something. Let's recreate something we just did a minute ago. Not the whole thing, but the, the I said, you've got a police report that says it was a white male. I go to trial. I get off because of that police report. That police report muddies the water. I'm found not guilty. So I would never plead guilty. And you said you're not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed. Anytime you go to trial, even even in the strongest case, it's still still up to the judge or to a jury, depending on which, which route that you go. And so there was no guarantee that he goes to trial because there are facts that seemingly place him in the incident. I'll say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I heard him say specifically was there was no facts that placed him behind the wheel of the car. They couldn't put him in the car. That's what he said at least once. Um, and so there was some real ambiguity apparently on the facts. And so in the end, it sounds like that a deal was, a deal was, um, put together where he pled to a lesser charge. And we move on because the other thing I think I said earlier when we talked about it last hour and I said to you off air is if there was another driver and he said, I don't, Ask for the licenses of people who drive my cars. He mm-hmm. didn't say about that car that day. I always have to give a license when I test drive a car. His but business model. Different model, um, yeah. But but if there was a driver who was a white male, as indicated by the police report, why would the Bossier Parish police not be pursuing that person? That would still be a crime. And why wouldn't Stephen Jackson turn that white male in? So a lot of a lot of what ifs. I think in the end, what we heard was, and the the, the funniest part, and I'd be honest, it, it, it's it, he compared himself to Donald Trump. I he's, know <laughs> he's, he's apparently a black Donald Trump, and but 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 the analogy was Donald Trump at a certain point cuts deals and moves on. It's not yeah. worth haggling. You move on. You pay the price and you move on. In this case, the price was a plea to a lesser charge, and we all move on. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for coming in today. Glad to be here. Sorry we've had the technical problems. Look forward to hearing Mike tomorrow morning. Yes, Mike will be back tomorrow morning, and we will have more on the uh, power outages. The latest numbers for SWEPCO, by the way, show how many out still in our area? Um, This morning we heard 37,000 in the three state, 20,000 in Louisiana, in North Louisiana, which is down about 14,000. And I hope tomorrow morning you and Mike talk about that big Tiger win. Oh, yes. Paul Skeen's going tonight for the Tigers. Absolutely. It's going to be a big one. Got to beat Wake Forest tonight, and then we meet up with Florida. It's a biggie. 1017 FM.